All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode. And today we have a special guest with a special story. And um, I guess you will know why just from the title of the episode. But recently I put out a video where I was discussing my 20-pound fat loss journey. And it actually did pretty well on YouTube. So how about a person who lost 200 pounds? Is that correct? <laughs> That's correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I have on Darko Botic. Am I saying your name right? <laughs> no, you're not. You're saying it perfectly well, man. That's just flawless. Cool. Yeah, I I'm assuming overseas, uh, a lot of the times it's Darko Botic. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we have um, been in contact for a long time and then we kind of got uh, or lost touch a little bit but now it's a cool opportunity for me to catch up on everything that's going on with you as well so um can you just uh give a brief overview of like what you're doing currently and then the rest of the podcast will be what was going on with you before all of this <laughs> sure thing my friend uh so it's by the way it's really nice to hear your voice uh i'm, I'm I, I gotta say to you um, it, it seems like you you maybe lost touch with me, but it seems to me like it's it's not reciprocated in any way because I'm a oh. huge fan of your work. Uh, I've been following you. I've been following all, all your interviews. I've been, uh, you know, just absorbing your content on YouTube. And I am uh, absolutely, I know this sounds silly, but I am absolutely proud of you. Uh, we are oh, peers. Man. We, we kind of stemmed from a from the same place. We kind of started our careers approximately at the same time. And yeah. Uh, I just want to congratulate you on all your success, my man. Oh, well, thanks so much, man. That's uh, very, very kind of you to say. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, that's two-way street, brother. It's uh, it's pretty incredible. You know, when we met, quote-unquote, online, so we did the Hanselman's personal uh, training course together, the certification together, mm -hmm. and um, I was not, like, I... I was familiar with your name within the course, but then I was not aware of the crazy journey that you had. And um, now seeing that you're having success as, as a coach and as a fitness professional at the time, even when we were doing the course, you were actually going through some rough times and coming out of that, but then finding out what you came out of beforehand, it's, it's pretty incredible. So, I mean, you've done amazingly well in this space. So congrats to you as well. <laughs> Thank you, my man. Thank you. And, you know, um, I, I got to sing praises to the company that I work for, MacroSync, uh, because um, they just allow me to work with a high capacity of clients uh, to do what I love to do without any limitations, without ever requiring me to um, sacrifice or um, my, my integrity, I mean, or to jeopardize it in any way. So to be in a position where you can do absolutely what you always aspire to do is, is a wonderful, wonderful feeling. And um, considering the pandemic, considering how many people are, you know, absolutely damaged by by, by the pandemic and financially and, and socially and psychologically, I cannot be just by humbled and grateful to be in a position where I'm thriving, you know. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I have seen uh, you announce on Facebook. I hope I liked the post, but maybe I didn't. That you began uh, working for Macros Inc. and that's 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 pretty amazing. So, um, so this is where you are today. And mm -hmm. um, now let's dig into your history a little bit. So now you're in a pretty good position, uh, career-wise, but also in terms of your health. 
but that has not always been the case. So um, what, just, just to give people some idea, so you lost 200 pounds or more. Um, how heavy were you at your heaviest? I was over 400 pounds, so I was over 180 kilos at that time. And um, the reason why I say that I lost 200 pounds is simply because it sounds cool. Uh, I think I lost more. Uh, <laughs> but mm. my initial goal was to kind of lose 100 kilos just because 100 seemed pretty cool. And then I settled on 200 pounds. <laughs> so uh-huh. I, I just I just kind of decided with uh, to go that route. Um, yeah, but I was over 180 kilos in the beginning of 2010. So I want to say that my first weigh-in was, I want to say, February of 2010. And I was weighed in a, um, in a clinic in Croatia for uh for obesity uh actually it was a clinic that that specialized for um pregnant women and also uh there there, there were a lot of registered dietitians there so i went there they, they specialized in obesity as well so that was my kind of first wane and uh, at that point i just realized i was over 180 pounds which is uh, one of the most um impactful moments of my entire life something that i will never forget Right. So, so let's talk a bit about how you got to that point in the first place. So, uh, so yeah, man, how, how did that happen? <laughs> I'm sure, sure, you didn't just wake up one day. So, I, I'm, I'm sure there was a some journey leading you to get that heavy in the first place. Oh yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. You know, it's it's kind of silly to say this, and I hate repeating this every time I have an interview, every time I have a conversation to repeat this. Uh, it's like I'm glorifying my own struggles, but I think for me, it all started from like early childhood. Uh, I was seven and eight years old when myself and my family, we spent uh, almost two years in the most horrible environment in the war zone in Balkans. And we were all like completely malnourished, Abel. You know, we were... Literally, like, we didn't even have clear water, let alone uh, food. So when we escaped the war zone, that's where I remember first time really having what I know now are just like your typical binge eating syndrome um, consequences, you know. So I would, I, I would like steal food. I would hide food. Uh, I was... I was um, almost like subconsciously preparing for another war or something like that because I do remember at that point when we escaped the war zone, like I, I just I, I was overwhelmed with the abundance of food and sweets and, and, and things that I didn't taste for like two years, and then you know you, you come from that environment, you come to a place where everybody uh, is absolutely just just on one hand thrilled to to see you, another hand terrified by uh, how I looked and 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 how unhealthy I was at that point is just a completely mal- malnourished child um so everybody was just like giving me sweets and and um chocolate and stuff like that so i could not stop eating and um i do remember actually stealing food from my own household not from actual stores but stealing from from, from my own household and hiding it uh, you know behind bed underneath bed uh in like lockers and stuff like that and uh i would like hide in my own room or I would wake up in in the middle of the night and I would just like binge eat and this was like man I'm 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 not even exaggerating I was like maybe like eight nine years old at the time and uh that's kind of when it all started for me um throughout my entire childhood primary school high school I was always the 
the, the fattest kid in the class. I was always struggling with weight management. I always struggled with um, self-control. I always struggled with um, any kind of actually control when, when food comes to mind. And, um, and yeah, man, like my entire life, I want to say over two decades, was pretty much enwrapped in, in, in obesity. And it was a huge part of my identity as well. Wow. Um, so as you were getting to that point, so these binge eating tendencies started, and I think the way you explained it, I think everybody can understand why, um, you know, on this podcast, one kind of theme that I like to repeat commonly is we like people have this very simplistic idea about obesity and how people get there. And often it, it comes down to, well, they are too indulgent. And I always say, like, look, I, I don't know the history of all of these people, but one thing I know for sure is, like, I haven't been to the point where I would have been classified as, you know, morbidly obese, like my heaviest. So I think you're six foot one, right? Like 185 yeah. centimeters. So I'm, I'm like an inch shorter than you. The heaviest I was was maybe approaching like 100 kilos, but, you know, so definitely not 200 or 180 kilos. But... Um, but even then, I knew how bad I felt about myself and how bad my body image was. And for me to maintain that condition and to get there in the first place, like some rough shit had to go on in my life for mm. me to put up with that because I was disliking that state so much. And so for someone to get up to like 180 kilos or any kind of person who is like way way into the the obese category like something has to be really wrong in their lives to put up with that to be so dissatisfied with themselves because i think most people are dissatisfied at that point mm -hmm. so um so yeah this is just a perfect illustration of that but as you were gaining body weight gaining body fat as you mentioned you were like the fat kid in high school and and after that as well uh how do you like what was the experience from the inside like how much did that bother you you know being the the fat person you know it's um it's it, it's really peculiar sometimes to go back to those emotions because um like i was never bullied you know um mm -hmm. probably because i was intimidating by just like my sheer size and and i was always highly social i, I you know my, i was always surrounded by um, by friends, you know, so I wasn't, I wasn't bullied. I didn't experience that, but I did experience like just con constant daily severe, uh, verbal bullying, if you want to call it like that, you know, so to, to the point where it does, didn't even bother me to the point where it just kind of like became a, a part of me. It, it's, um, it, it's me having this, uh, very profound sense of self-deprecating humor was my self-defense, you know, that, that was my defensive mechanism. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I do remember clearly a couple of instances where, um, I had to take my shirt off in, in, in public, in, in front of my friends, you know, when there, there was a medical examination. I do remember moments where I wasn't accepted in the, uh, you know, um, in, in the army, I do remember a lot of these moments that separated me from my peers that made me um, made me isolated, you know, uh, to the point where after I finished high school, I went to college for, I want to say, maybe like just one semester, something like that, and then I quit because um, at that time, I, I 
wanted to work as a, as a video game journalist and I succeeded in that career pretty early and I wanted to commit to that but on the other hand I, I every single time that I would come back home I would feel this immense immense psychological relief that was sometimes emotionally um, really really um, impactful when I come back home from college or anywhere outside like I would just feel this relief because I'm, I'm, I'm I don't have to be tense anymore I don't have to slouch forward so that my 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 uh, my shirt can fall um, over my man boobs and my and my stomach you know and I hated I hated the fact that I could not even look at myself in my my own reflection in in the mirror and every time I would go out I would just kind of look down on the floor just so I don't ever glance how I looked in how, how my reflection looked in like store mirrors and whatnot right so it was like um it was incredibly hard um but I want to say honestly that I never blamed the environment I never blamed anybody else uh I knew that what I was doing is absolutely 100% my own fault I was just trapped inside my own head and, and I didn't know a way out right um Actually, that reminds me. So, like, one thing I observed throughout my life is a lot of these people that are very obese is many times they are kind of, like, funny, you know, like, they have a good sense of humor. Like, and, and you kind of mentioned that you had this self-deprecating humor. And, um, like, many times I noticed them being, like, very, very kind, very humorous. Like, they, they don't take things very seriously, not easily offendable. Um were you a little bit like that at the time? Like, were you like the the funny fat guy? Yeah, man, I was definitely. I, I was. I was always the, the 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 class clown. I was always that person. Uh, I was. I was the loudest. I was. Um, I actually always liked the sensation of being in the center of attention, especially where if if there's a group of friends, group of people, I always uh, thrived in, in in those in those moments. Uh, I always. I always enjoy making people laugh. That was that was always one of the things that um, that fulfilled me the most. Uh, I felt, I think, I felt, um, I felt included, you know, in in, in those instances. Um, but then again, you know, if if you're going to if you're going to go through that psychological description, I was also a sad clown. You know, I, I was. I was 100% aware that all that laughter and and uh, it it wasn't just laughing with me it was also laughing at me from the perspective of other people of course and I would I would get back home and I would realize that I'm I'm alone you know uh, I at that point like I considered that I had a lot of friends uh, I I had a lot of acquaintances I had a lot of like schoolmates and and it's after after I finished high school and and after I quit college it's it was just me I was completely alone and Again, it's not like people didn't want me or to wanted to hang around with me. I think what what happened more is that that was my own mind games playing with me. You know, I think that was my expectation that that people would never never want to associate with me because I was so different. And you know, I I was the only one who didn't have a girlfriend. I was the only one who wasn't in didn't have any experience with relationships and whatnot. So. I would kind of just like stay away uh, and I think a part of me went into that very depressing mode where um, I just thought that nobody wanted to hang around with me and I, and I know this sounds kind of like totally dark and whatnot but you know um, after my grandparents got killed um, literally in front of my house 
after after high school i was um i was crushed and for i want to say like almost like two years something like that i didn't go out at all like i was just locked in my own house in my own thoughts and i was just working like that was that was my deal i I decided that i'm going to be the best um you know best journalist that i can be i'm going i decided i'm going to be the best writer that that's you know I, i could be and um i just decided to do that i just decided to completely isolate myself and um, one of the reasons why I was alone is 100% my fault because I wasn't assertive enough um, and then when I finally got over that hump when I finally started socializing um, you know I just I just realized that there's there's a lot of people who love me there's a lot of people who want to hang out with me and at that point I realized that you know, maybe maybe this obesity thing, maybe that doesn't have to be the deciding factor of my life. Maybe it doesn't have to be this um, overflowing element of my identity that that shadows everything else. You know, so I decided, like, just like like screw it, I'm 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 just gonna hang out with people, and that's kind of like where my journey of weight loss started. You know, I I I got the taste, I got the sense of social life, I got the taste of like being surrounded by people i was i was literally like emotionally overwhelmed at that point and um and yeah that that's that that's kind of how how it started for me but um you know at that point like i i went through horrible horrible period i i mean i went through two suicide attempts at that time and uh it was um it was incredibly incredibly dark time for me you know and um i'm like i said i never blamed anybody else but i do correlate a lot of it with with morbid obesity you know especially especially my you know consequences it had on my health and the you know underlying reason why I decided to change my life literally overnight was because of morbid obesity Mm. yeah um and we will we will very shortly get to kind of the turning point and I really don't mean to like twist the the knife you know and and uh, bring up painful memories but I I just feel like it's it's such an important point for for people to understand. I mean, maybe some people that are listening to this are in a similar position as when as in which you were in at the time. But mm-hmm. also, I think for a lot of people, just to understand, you know, the psychology of 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 like what the psychology could be like for a person in that situation, because I I feel like there's there's a lot of judgment towards uh, people. Uh, who struggle with all of this. So just a couple more questions on this. So you mentioned Absolutely. you mentioned not having a girlfriend. Did that was that something that you thought about occasionally? So you mentioned that you got home and you were relieved that you whatever didn't have to pay attention to for that your shirt is in a certain way and this and that. Um, was that something that you thought about occasionally? Like what what things you're missing out on because of your physical condition and what other things get to do regularly because they are not in that position? Um, before I answer that, I just wanted to say one, one thing to you. Um, you know, um, we know each other for quite some time and I don't want you to be reluctant at all to ask me these questions. I mean, mm. I honestly, Abel, I, I, I'm not bullshitting you at all. I am incredibly grateful for every single one of those experiences that I went through in my life. Because I know this sounds like a horrible cliche, like a horrible um, Instagram philosophy. <laughs> but mm-hmm. honestly, man, it's um, it's that experience made me who I am today. You know, that experience um, 
allow me to have a lot of pride in what I achieved. That experience um, reminds me of, um, you know, of, of those struggles. And I use those struggles to put every other struggle that I've been in my life since then into perspective. For example, like when pandemic started, like I was, I was awkwardly calm. I was, I was incredibly, um, just kind of prepared, you know, and, and I attribute a lot of that preparedness, you know, to, to my own experience, what, what I, what I've gone through. So no, you absolutely don't have to feel like we're, we're, you are twisting the knife or anything like that, man. It's, it's, these memories were painful at that time, but they're not painful anymore. Um, mm. Those memories are something that I remember definitely not with fondness, uh, but I do remember them with, um, with a with a very weird sensation of of those memories belonging to a person that died, you know, a, a person that I definitely am not anymore. Mm. So it's for me. I've talked about this openly enough times for me to get comfortable about talking about these issues. But I also made a conscious decision not to discuss mental health anymore on social media, just because it negatively impacted my business. Uh Uh, We can talk about that later because it's it's a completely different topic and I don't want to digress. So uh, I just wanted to kind of prelude with that so I I don't want you to feel uncomfortable in any way asking these questions. I think you're you're asking absolutely just absolutely wonderful questions so awesome. you know in, in the context of like relationships and girlfriend and, and like obviously man it it had a profound effect on on me it had a massive effect or or it played a huge role in my decision to change my myself and to change my life you know um you go out especially at that time like if you finish high school it's college time you know all you know Every single chick that, that, that I see I, I, or that I interacted with or, or communicated with, I f- felt like I fell in love with them. I knew there there was something wrong with that. And I did understand that like I, I was just in, in, in a very bad place where I didn't have any self-confidence, but I had absolutely zero self-esteem, no self-respect. Uh, I was incredibly immature. And I, I never considered that I could ever be in a relationship or that any woman would ever find me attractive. So, you know, when that becomes a part of your identity, you 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 know you you're not living in congruence with the person you 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 know that you can become, and that was one of the sources of my depression. You know, um, I go out and I have to wear these like horrible baggy stretchy pants because I could not. There there were just no sizes for me in any regular store, so I'm not. I couldn't wear regular clothes. And you know that feeling, well, maybe you don't, but I'm, I'm sure you experience something similar, you know, when, you know, when you sit down and you're maybe in a tight shirt or something like that, and it kind of like folds over your love handles or something like that, or your stomach, and and, mm. and you and you look at those photos of you being drunk or something like that, and you're like, oh my God, look at me. Mm-hmm. Um, like So I was like per- perpetually in that state where I was like just super self-conscious constantly, um, constantly kind of like trying to um, fold t-shirts and clothes over my over my curves that I didn't want to have curves in those parts of my body you know and and I was um, it's it's every single time I went out um, it was a challenge it was um, it was almost like a completely new social experiment for me every time I go out I'm, 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 I'm having these 
you know these dialogues in my mind like how, how am I going to interact with this person how am I going to communicate with that person you know what am I going to do what am I going to say uh, have I prepared any jokes to make people laugh when I feel uncomfortable like are there are there any moments where I could just like you know um, find reasons to get away from people or anything like that so all of these thoughts like constantly running through my head me constantly trying to uh, you know feel comfortable and 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 I, I there was like no chance in hell that I could ever be able to do so. So I'm like extremely uncomfortable. Like, so I was in a in a very very bad spot, and uh, a lot of times it just felt like I'm putting out a performance for people just so that I could be accepted. And a lot of that, man, it just happened in my head. You know, a, a lot of that stemmed from just like, you, you know how it is, man. Like you, you you go to the gym and you think everybody's looking at you. And mm-hmm. nobody gives a damn, like absolutely nobody, like mm-hmm. everybody's concerned with, with themselves. And, and at that point, I didn't know that. At that point, I was just, I, I would look at myself, then I would look at somebody else, and then I would realize I'm just like, completely different than, than this person. So like how in the hell would, uh, uh, you know, uh, any attractive woman or any attractive girl at that point, like how, how could any of them find me attractive or, or interested in me or in any way? You know, I was I was the guy who was always friend zoned and whatnot, right? So mm. I kind of just grew tired of that, man. So when I tell you that I felt relief, like literally just like massive, massive burden would fall down off my shoulders every time I, w- I would get back home. And uh, at one point, I just couldn't couldn't deal with it anymore. At one point, I just consciously decided, like, like screw this. I'm just going to stay home. Mm. So what happened then? You you stopped uh, going to work and you stayed home? Or how did that look like? Well, interestingly enough, even at that time, I was working online. You know, I was, I was working as a video game journalist. I had a disproportionately better income than any of my peers. I mm. was in a really good place. I could support my family i could uh, you know i could just buy myself anything that i wanted at that time so i was in a good place and i was in a, an ideal place to just become a hermit <laughs> to just mm. never go out you know um so i i wasn't working at that time anywhere where it demanded like my physical presence which was really really convenient for me to make that decision and um i just quit college at that point uh-huh. Wow. Okay. And um, so did you, before you actually, so we will we'll get to the turning point soon and uh, what like, what was a pretty significant event, which um, made, made the decision easier for you to make the change. But before that, when you were in that state, uh, did you ever think about like, man, I, I, sh- I should do something about it? Or did you think about the future of what's going to happen if you don't make a change like this? Did that ever cross your mind? And did you have these um, like what most people have when maybe they're not completely satisfied with their look? And every once in a while on a weekend, they think about like maybe from next Monday onwards, I will go on a diet. Did you have ever have that throughout that whole time? Yeah, man, absolutely. Absolutely. There's nothing really unique about that aspect of my story. I did I did try everything. You know, um, what's kind of funny for me right now is um, listening and observing all these debates about carnivore diets because mm-hmm. <laughs> that was that was one of the diets that I tried like I, I think during high school or, or maybe a few years later or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but I do remember like just going 
towards the route of doing something extreme. And it always stemmed from a place of hating myself into change, or at least trying to, and also punishing myself. Um, the 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 fact that I think going back through it and like this is not me just thinking on spot. This is actually what what I gave a lot of thought to. Um, I grew uh, I grew up without a father. Uh, he died when I was three years old, and um, I always found myself to be um, you know to have that masculinity aspect of my life always kind of being a missing part of my identity. You know, so. Mm. I always thought that the only way for me to feel masculine in any way is to just punish myself and like stop eating and 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 try to find ways to pump myself down to earth like whatever I could do like just talk to myself in a, in a most harsh way humanly imaginable uh, that was me I was that person and as you know I'm, I'm I mean you work with people as well you know that that aspect of hate can sometimes be a good thing because it can initiate change but it's not sustainable it cannot be it cannot be the reason it cannot be your why mm. and all the time i thought that was the only way for me to do it and and at some point i just i just i would just break man and at some point i would just say like like fuck this i'm i'm just going to keep overeating and and food was my only coping mechanism at that time Mm. So yeah, absolutely, man. I tried absolutely everything. Uh, I procrastinated always. Um, you know, there's always the next day. There's always the next Monday type of a thing. You are absolutely right with that. There's that aspect of my story is pretty pretty typical. And and was that something that was kind of always in the back of your mind, the the whole next day, next week aspect, or was there a point where you just said, you know what? uh let's face it this is not gonna happen i'm just gonna i'm just gonna be the fat guy uh, maybe i'm gonna whatever i don't even know if you are familiar with these concepts of like you know this can cause diabetes or this can cause heart problems or whatever but um you know w- whatever the consequences may be food is always there for me eating is fun and yeah i'm paying some price for it in my life socially and whatnot but I'm just going to do this. So was there a moment of giving in or it was kind of always like cyclically coming back the idea that you should make a change? It's kind of both um, because procrastination and just convincing myself that there's always time. Um, it got me to a place where there was no more time. You know, um, we're going to talk about that. Like you said, yeah, that was that was the turning point. But um, yeah, man, I mean, going back thinking about all the decisions that I made and I never fulfilled, it's, it, it always stemmed from that place of procrastination. And, and there, there was never actually a moment where I, I wanted to find a middle ground where I was kind of cool with what I was doing and like, okay, like this is not really jeopardizing my health or this is not really severely detrimental to my health, so why change? I, I, I never was at that point. But... I got to a point where every single doctor and nurse at ER and at the local hospital knew me because I was such a frequent visitor. Mm. Uh, because I had a lot of these like anxiety, panic attacks, I, I can't really tell what it was because I was never diagnosed. Uh, I never sought help at that particular point. Um, but every time I would go to, to see a doctor before the, the, those those frequent visits to hospital my blood markers were relatively fine 
So every time I would go out and, and you know, uh, sorry, uh, every time I would go to see a doctor uh, when I needed to get my blood done, I, I would I would get really decent test results. So I always use those, that, that kind of like confirmation that I can be relatively, you know, healthy and keep doing what I was doing, like, there, there, there were moments like that, but it was never like a conscious decision where I was like, okay, like I'm, 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 I'm okay, I'm okay where I am. I'm not going to die out of this. It is perfectly fine. Uh, it was always my thought, like, okay, like there's time. I don't feel ready right now, but there, there's, there's time. I know I need to change, but there's time um, until until clocks stop ticking, you know. And uh, when I started going to, you know, almost like. At one point, man, I, I'm, I'm, I promise you, I'm not exaggerating. At one point, I was like, I had a streak of like four or five days in a row where I would go to ER. I would yeah. like overeat. I would get these horrible panic attacks that stem from just like pure physical pain uh, where I couldn't breathe. I would end up at a hospital or at ER. Uh, they would give me a shitload of medicine. I would come back to my senses and I would promise them that this will never happen. And I was, you, you know, you know, when you go to a doctor and you're like in, in, in a mass amount of pain and then all of a sudden you're not. And then you mm -hmm. just, just like feel, OK, like this was the moment. This was the peaking moment. Like I, I, I'm going to change right now just to like literally change my mind um, in, in the next couple of hours. Like, OK, like I'm, I'm feeling great. Like why, why, why not have some chocolate? Why not have some Nutella? Why, why not have some pizza or something like that? So. So yeah, um, I at, at that point I uh, at one point sorry I just kind of surrendered. At one point I reached well, what what you asked me before like was there a moment where you kind of said like I, I can't do this anymore? I'm um yeah man that the, there was a point where I just told myself like I'm I'm destined to be in this body forever like I'm destined to and I made a peace that I'm going to die in my probably my like thirties or forties like I I made peace with that. Wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's incredible um, this whole concept, and it's it's amazing that you're sharing this because, like, this is exactly what I've been trying to get across on a few podcasts. That, like, look, it's um, it's it's one thing that for some people, just not looking the way they want is not enough motivation to make a change. And mm -hmm. but you know, I've I've actually had some like relatively close people to me who were not quiet at that point maybe but they were definitely told by their do their doctors that like look like you have to lose weight like yesterday other like your health is is in the shitter and mm -hmm. they are just not able to make that change and it's not it's not out of laziness or whatever like food and getting into that habit and into that lifestyle is very very powerful breaking away from that is 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 not easy <laughs> uh mm. weight loss period is not easy but especially when you've been you know you're used to living that way i mean it's incredibly hard but we will get to that in a second the last kind of uh tough question i want to ask about that period before we get to the turning point is um i'm sure a lot of people are wondering and i i i'm wondering as well like how did a like a day of eating look like in your life at, at that time or or how was it like a linear thing like most days looked the same was it hap happening in streaks where there were like crazy overeating periods and like more moderate periods like how how should we imagine this imagine it as 10,000 calorie challenge videos on youtube um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how you should imagine it um 
where 90% of food was uh, incredibly nutrient poor. Um, it, it was it was just me eating on junk food. Uh, it was me eating. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I know that you either visited Croatia or Serbia and, and you know what kind of food uh, is available in like bakeries and stuff like that. So oh, yeah. that was... <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> it's, it's good stuff until it kills you. Um, mm. And I would... I would um, I didn't know this at the time. I didn't even know this when I started initially uh, tracking my macros and tracking my calories. Um, but... Later on, when I was uh, being just curious about these like ten thousand calorie challenges and stuff like that, to me, dude, like that doesn't really seem really far from what I was eating almost daily. Uh, now, when I say almost daily, I'm not saying that I consistently ate ten thousand calories. Uh, I was e- eating incredibly high um, calorie dense food that was low in nutrient quality and occasionally. I would go beyond that 10,000 calorie mark 100%. Um, looking back, of course, like I said, I didn't track at the time, so I cannot give you an idea, but I'm going to give you kind of like a brief insight into my, my schedule back then. So I would I would fall asleep around maybe like 3, 4 a.m. I would wake up noon, 1 p.m., something like that. Um, I would immediately go down and then started like literally like gorging myself. Uh, it would be sometimes it could be even uh, you know maybe like 600, 750 grams of bread uh, with some like liver pate. Uh, I'm sure you know that's very very f- uh, famous uh, mm-hmm. where I come from, uh, <laughs> especially yeah. like stemming from from not having any money and, and being poor. Not necessarily at that time, but that was kind of like the go-to food. So I, I kind of grew up on that food and I loved it. And, you know, it's it's um, hundreds and hundreds of calories of of, uh, of carbs and fats. As soon as I would wake up, I would wash that down with like maybe like a half a liter of chocolate milk or something like that. Um, I generally did not know how to regulate my hunger. The only way I could sense satiety is if i'm literally like physically sick um Mm. i know this image of me just gorging myself can be disturbing to some people but to me at that point it was never like i never saw myself like um you know what you would see in those horrible usually american documentaries about like morbidly obese people over 600 pounds just like you know gorging themselves consistently I, I i never saw myself at that point but there were instances man where um I, I would just completely lose control to the point where i didn't even realize how much i ate until, until hours later you know um mm. so that would be like my first meal um and honestly i didn't have a meal schedule i would just continue grazing and snacking on, on sweets i would drink a lot of coke um Again, nothing really unique about that aspect of my story. Um, come evening, I would, again, gorge myself. And sometimes I would go to bed, read a book, and literally, like, bef- like while trying to fall asleep, I would eat on something. You know, it's, it, it was, mm. on some days, it was that bad. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And and it's, um like, so, so the crazy thing is that I, I basically did most of that just on a smaller scale. So I, I said this many times, like, even though I was not, I was never morbidly obese. Probably I could have been. I, I probably I was obese. I mean, I, I'm always forgetting the technical definitions, but I think like over, 
25% body fat, you're you're considered to be obese technically or over a certain BMI. So I'm I'm pretty sure that I was technically obese, but uh, obviously didn't get to that point. But I, I would say that the only difference between your story and mine is that I just stopped a little bit sooner, you know. Mm. <laughs> but but I was on the same trajectory a few times, so that's why I like. It's not like what you're describing is not like crazy. Like, oh, my God, how can someone do that? Like, yeah, like what you're saying about lying in bed and like still eating and whatever. Like, yeah, yeah I've, I've done a lot of those things. So, yeah, very, very interesting to listen to to what you are going through. Um, yeah, man. And you, you, you have to acknowledge all the results that you accomplished. And uh, recently I was watching your video that really inspired me because I just completed my first successful bulk, um, and I'm sorry hmm. for this digression. I just wanted to, uh, uh-huh. I just want to l- l- let you know again that uh, I really respect what you have been able to accomplish with your own body because um, you know you have this goal of trying to maintain a very impressive lean physique for uh, long term, maybe even permanently. I think that's a very admirable goal you have, hmm. uh, and. Um, it's not like you have this super athletic background where you were never beyond like 18% of of, uh, body fat or anything like that. No, like you, you fully empathize with what I've been through. Just like you said, it was just like maybe the quantity was less. It was a little bit less impactful on your overall health and you stopped earlier, like you said. But you fully understand what I've been through because you've been through. So looking at you and what you struggle with to be at this point where you are successfully managing your weight to any just like incredible physique that you currently have and you are trying to push that even further without really sacrificing your relation with food without really delving into um you know disorder eating or anything like that you are actually addressing that uh in in one of your latest videos where you were discussing like what was different now during your last cut or your current cut Mm. uh versus um all your previous attempts like a lot of this a lot of what, what you spoke about just screams maturity you know maturity in the in, in experience in a dieting sense you know you are a mm. very successful and very masterful at dieting at this point and you're not really imposing um rigidness and strictness that maybe you once did and that's how i feel right now you know uh but you also do understand when you finally start losing weight it can get addictive and, and you want to push your body even further and then you really uh, pull out these horrible uh, strict and, and restrictive strategies to do so. And it yeah. seems to me you are in a, in a extremely healthy place and, and I'm happy for you. Oh, yeah. Th- thanks, man. I really appreciate you acknowledging that. Yeah, it's definitely been mastering this, I would say, has been just as challenging as any other undertaking uh, that I've ever gone through in my life. And as as you know, it's because most things like mastering journalism in your case, you know, learning how to deal with clients now, all of those things are hard. But there are a few things in your life that are as just constantly present as eating because that Mm. that you cannot escape and if you're having a poor relationship with that aspect of your life it follows you everywhere 24 7 like the only time you're free from that is when you're i don't know on the toilet or when you're sleeping basically (laughs) you're absolutely right this is why i hate uh when people are trying to um you know they're, they're, they're trying to sometimes um compare 
alcoholism and drug abuse with quote-unquote food addiction. And even though I'm not going to argue against the theory of food addiction, because I've honest, honestly I, I felt addicted to food at one point, so this stems from a very anecdotal, very personal, not evidence-based place, but you hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, food is always going to be present. So if you're having a problem with alcohol, permanent abstinence from alcohol is going to completely change your life and eliminate that issue. Yeah. Um, you cannot permanently abstain from food. And you are 100%, 100% right when you say that every weight loss challenge, every weight loss attempt is a challenge, regardless of how many times you did it. But the more you do it, the more experience you get, the more these predictable moments you can anticipate and you can prepare better for them, you know. But it's always going to be hard. It's always going to be challenging because you are literally trying to constantly resist one thing that's always, it's, it's always tempting you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey guys, just a brief interruption. I want to let you know that round two of my group coaching service has now opened up. In this coaching system, you will get a customized training and diet setup tailored for your needs, detailed guidance on training progression and diet management, and you will be able to interact with me and other members of the group, both in written format and on calls during the week. And for a limited time now, you can hop on a call with me and we can talk over your goals and see if you are a good fit for this. So if this sounds interesting to you, then check the link in the video or show description below and you can book a call with me. But if you would rather just send an email, you can also do that. Also check out the show description for that. All right, that's it. Let's continue with the show. Um, all right, man. So let's finally get to the point of uh, redemption or maybe not, not quite redemption at first because there was something that uh, triggered the change. So what what was that moment that made it inevitable that you you had to make a change um i, I was dying uh, i had a what i consider a near death experience um could be that maybe it wasn't that severe but i was on the second floor of my house i remember my mother was that there that day um I had a crazy binge eating session or episode. I call them sessions because it was always ritualistic <laughs> mm -hmm. and planned. Um, and I, I just, every time I would overeat a bell, I would feel, I, I would feel this, this, this um, incredible, incredibly heavy amount of shame and disgust and I didn't know what to do with myself and I would start panicking. This is why I sometimes refer to these attacks as like panic attacks or, or generally attacks because I I would just like start like losing losing my my, my, my awareness. I, I would start, you know, losing my peripheral vision. I would start shaking. I would start being in a, in a horrible physical pain. I dropped on the floor. The ambulance came that day. I was like I said, I was on the second floor of the house. And um, when they look at me, they started giving me a lot of medicine. I don't know what they gave me. Um, but at one point I do remember, um, looking around the room and, and, and I saw my mother in tears and I clearly re remember one of the nurses saying, there's nothing we can do for him. Like he's, he's too heavy. Um, you know, um, because they couldn't carry me down downstairs. And even if they waited for another ambulance vehicle to arrive to my place where I was at that time um, it, it there, there just wasn't enough time um, you know m my lips were blue my face was white completely pale and and 
I, I was I was grasping for breath and I could not breathe properly. Um, if I remember correctly, I, I could inhale, but I couldn't exhale. So I was just like stuffing air in myself. Like I, I was, I was like, like a balloon and I don't know, something just, just happened at that time. The reason why I consider this a near death experience is because at one point, because it was, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at one point, at one point, man, I was just, I smiled. I remember clearly smiling and finally getting what I always wanted to at that point which is to just end life, end my life. And I felt incredible, incredible, just just like peaceful, incredibly peaceful state. And probably the drug started <laughs> affecting me. <laughs> and, and I started breathing normally. Um, at that time, I do remember coming to my senses and being kind of disappointed uh, with the outcome. But that was a very, very brief um, emotion. Literally 24 hours later, Abel, I'm, I, I'm shitting not. 24 hours later, I was at the hospital and I ran out of, out of that hospital because they were planning to do some tests on me. They were planning to give me a full nutritional plan and everything. I just, I just received like this huge book, uh, very like a massive tome that was my database of, of calories and macros, um, like just a database of... of um, every single possible food that I could get in, in like creation market. And, uh, I got that. I got, I, I've done a couple of tests. I think they wanted to check my hormones, my thyroid. Um, and instead of waiting, I ran out of hospital because at that time they didn't have a scale in, uh, in doctor's offices. They had a scale dude in a waiting room. So I went downstairs I had a just kind of backtrack to to give you a clearer image because the image is quite clear in my head. Um, <laughs> I was I was having a conversation with the doctor in the doctor's office. Uh, then I went to another office where I talked with a registered dietitian. She gave me a lot of these like papers. She gave me this book that I that it was it was like you know like a database in in my macros plus or my fitness pal right. Um, so. I, they, they told me like, just go downstairs. There's a scale downstairs that's heavy enough to weigh you uh, and write down the number, remember it and come back, uh, come back upstairs. I went downstairs. The scale was in a goddamn waiting room. That waiting oh. room was filled with pregnant women and, and, and their husbands and, and, and there, there were several children there. So I'm literally going through, uh, through a row of people waiting there I, there's a scale there. Everybody's looking at me. So this is not, this is not uh, body image dysmorphia where you think everybody's looking at you, right? Because no. you, you maybe lost like a pound of muscle during the hiatus or whatever, right? This is literally <laughs> everybody staring at me. I step on a scale. The scale goes over 180 kilos. I step down. I step again. The weight goes back to the same number. And I just start crying. And I couldn't bear going upstairs to the doctor. I ran out of the hospital and I got back into the train because this was in, in Zagreb, the capital of Croatia. I got on the train. I got back home to this small town that I lived in the south of Croatia. And that same day, I called um, a local bodybuilder. He was this like, I mean, he is this huge dude. Like, ju just imagine your typical IFBB mm -hmm. uh, pro bodybuilder. That, that was him. Uh, and he and his wife owned the gym. Uh, they were both um, competitive bodybuilders and they were both um, exceptionally just successful in, in the sport. I called the two of them. The next day I have a meeting with them. 
and that was my first day in the gym and wow. that's how everything started wow that's that that that's remarkable really um i mean uh so it seems like it seems like there wasn't any kind of contemplation period where okay like you were thinking about okay can i do this uh how should i do this no it's like the calling was immediate and there was like no return that's that's pretty amazing have you ever got a client who was like look abel you are the expert and I, I don't want any autonomy i just want you to tell me what to do a b and c and i'm going to do it yeah those are those are the <laughs> those are the most fun clients usually the most rewarding <laughs> that was me like that was me at that point uh i met with these two coaches who i consider friends now i met with them in a um your typical Croatian cafe bar i met them there and um i ordered uh, i didn't order anything i just told i just told um I just told uh I just told them you order for me because this is my first good decision that I'm going to make in my entire life. <laughs> and I remember them ordering a cup of green tea with some Coke Zero. And that was literally I think the first time ever that I tasted Coke Zero in, in 2010. And um and yeah, that that's like that that's where my my journey started. My journey started with a cup of green tea before a gym session. Yeah, I, I so I spent the last couple of days uh, going through a, some podcasts with you just to just to familiar familiarize myself a bit more with your story. And uh, if I recall correctly, your first uh, day in the gym was uh, there were some comical things that happened, uh, or comical in in retrospect. I'm sure it wasn't at the time. <laughs> can you can you say a bit about that? <laughs> Absolutely comical in retrospect, man. Uh, it was traumatizing at that particular time. <laughs> Um, you know, a couple of times I touched upon this idea of like going to the gym and, and, and thinking that everybody's looking at you, right? So yeah. honestly, th this time, this time that that was definitely the case because I, I got to a gym where to me, I know this is ridiculous, but to me at that point, everybody looked uh, absolutely just, you know, shredded and had remarkable physiques when they're, you know, in general retrospect, honest retrospect, like everybody was just like normal dude in shape, just you know, lifting some weights. And, uh, you know, I, I entered this gym. This was a small local gym, of course. Like, anybody that enters, like, all eyes are on you, right, for a brief moment. But eyes were on me continuously throughout that day. And uh, I do remember I went to uh, to changing room. I was already, of course, in my clothes because I... My gym clothes because I didn't want to change in a, in a locker room. I got outside and I didn't know what to do. Uh, I stepped on a, I think it was a treadmill or maybe an elliptical, I'm not sure. I think it was a treadmill and I stepped on a treadmill and um, and a gym owner comes like storming at me. He grabs me by the arm and he's like, dude, like you're you're too heavy for this. Like you cannot step on this mach machine until you lose like at least like 25, 30 kilos. <laughs> and I'm wow. like, okay. And like, I don't know what to do. And I thought like, be because the cardio machines were relatively detached from the rest of the gym. So I thought like, okay, cool. At least here I'm, I'm kind of like isolated. I don't have to mingle with everybody else. And I was forced to do that my first day. So you asked me earlier about like, um, you know, my, my high school and primary school experience. And I told you I wasn't bullied and whatnot because of my, like, I was always kind of intimidating with my size. And I always consider myself strong because of my size. So I remember grabbing a barbell, just an empty barbell, and I could not curl it. 
that's how weak I was. So all of a sudden, like my entire identity shattered. Like I'm, mm. I'm like I'm I'm not just huge and morbidly obese. I'm like super super goddamn weak. And um, long story short, I remained for I think approximately like four hours that day in the gym. Um, and the reason why is because I could not bear to go to the locker room and change my clothes in, in in front of anybody. So I waited until the gym was completely empty. And I, I couldn't just like stand there and do nothing. So I just continuously forced myself. So my first, you know, when, when you get a complete beginner and you are for the first time introducing them to lifting weights and you're going to like not, not even go to like three sets per exercise, you're maybe going to like two, right? And, yeah, and yeah. you are teaching them the correct, uh, the correct um, form. You're not going beyond uh, maybe RPE six, something like that, you know. And and like I was, <laughs> I was like training hard for like four hours, man. Um, I am soaking sweat. I, I get to a locker room because it was empty. I changed my clothes really hurriedly, rapidly, and I thought at that moment i will never ever go back to the gym until i lose significant amount of weight so i didn't surrender completely i just decided no way i'm not coming back yeah i can i can understand uh that mindset given what you described yeah but here's what happened i'm getting outside of the gym and there's this huge bodybuilder just like giving me a thumbs up mm-hmm. this was the owner of the gym he gives me a thumbs up he says dude that was impressive see you around tomorrow Wow, and I'm like, I'll see you around tomorrow. So that evening, I, I I fell asleep. Like I told you, like I was usually go to like three four a.m. Like that evening, like I fell asleep. I think like nine 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 p.m. something like that. I woke up probably like twelve hours later. I was in so much pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was like every single bone, muscle, and tendon in my body was screaming at me. I don't know how, man, but I forced myself and I got back to that gym uh, and. The rest is absolutely history. So, very long story short, I kid you not, in the subs, in the, in the following, I want to say two to three years, I haven't skipped a single planned workout. Wow, that's that that's incredible. Um, do you do you remember? Um, I mean, just maybe, maybe like the working out aspect of this is is not the. I mean, it, it is very important. Don't get me wrong, but um, probably like the the most crucial part of this change is as far as like delivering results is obviously the diet mm-hmm. but i'm but i'm curious and by the way i also just want to acknowledge so the experience you described in your first day in the gym like again it hits home so much because like i can remember the first couple of days of my life in the gym and at the time i was not like super fat or super heavy like there wasn't anything remarkable about me i was just like a a younger guy who wanted to build some muscle looked like just a totally normal dude but even yeah. then like the first day in the gym was kind of intimidating and i i had to have this self talk which i'm not proud of saying that i had this but i had to like tell myself things like oh but at least i'm whatever uh, at least i'm taller than that guy at least i'm <laughs> uh, i'm less fat than that guy at least i'm this and that like i had to like convince myself that i i belong here and that i shouldn't be ashamed that i'm not this huge muscular dude like some of the others were like i was super insecure and i i know a, a lot of people i've uh, taken friends of mine to the gym who are just like totally rent normal dudes and they feel super insecure going there so yep. for you like going there as a 180 kilo guy having that first 
experience in the first minute that the owner storms at like out of his office and grabs you off the treadmill that like dude you're so heavy like holy shit and for you to then be able to go back there the next day and just like i can just imagine how you must have felt when all of those things happened it's it's just crazy listening to it you know yeah man i just wanted to get the hell out of there but but yeah. i couldn't you know i i just like the the, the promise that I made for myself, like like you said, there, there was no um, zero pondering, zero um, contemplation. Like I just wanted to storm out of that hospital and made a firm decision. This is it. Like this is it. Like my my life starts now. The 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 person I am, the person I was, like died. This is this is the new me. Um, I heard an excellent philosophy. I, I'm I'm probably going to butcher this, but it goes something like: We have two lives. And the second one begins when you realize you only have one. And that was kind of for me as well. You know, at that point, I just realized, dude, like, what are you doing here? Like, like, well, like, why, why, when, when the decision for me to be dead before I reach year 40, like, when, when did that became acceptable to me? Like, this is not me. And, uh, and yeah, that was the attitude during those four hours at the gym. I didn't feel like, like I, don't don't get me wrong, Abel. Like I, I am extremely proud of that, you know. But I didn't feel like I was doing something heroic or or I, I felt brave, dude. Like I was I was I, I was so afraid of every single movement that I did that that uh, that at one point I'm going to embarrass myself. Like that at that point, like I I think I, I've like <laughs> I mean the 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 amount of stress that I that I endure during those four hours at the gym like it's 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 still it's still palpable <laughs> yeah can you recall what your workouts looked like at the time like what like what sort of exercises could you even do like what did you actually do well f like I, I think i was just doing some some circuit around like all the machines and maybe did, did some dumbbell movements but i was incredibly fortunate to be at the gym where you have just two you know exceptional bodybuilders you know people who who knew their shit people who knew the the the, the physiology people who who understood human anatomy people who who um taught me um you know mind muscle connection and what it is people who taught me how to move properly people who taught me how to squat how to deadlift how to do a dumbbell curl for god's sake like i i was incredibly fortunate that time that i that i had um that that kind of a guidance and mentorship you know and uh for the first maybe few months i did not follow any programs or anything like that but as soon as i realized that there is this evidence-based aspect to everything that i was doing like then I, I became like seriously seriously like hooked on 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 educating myself and um you know um at that point it, it was just all about like this bodybuilding kind of approach like your typical splits and whatnot mm. so how, how how long did that take until you actually became like reasonably educated on like how to train properly and everything well you know d during my first year i, I don't think i i've um, and my, my first year would be you know uh, 2010 uh, I, I was just trying to educate myself on nutrition first the the and and i kind of just completely um completely handle the reins of my training to um to the people in the gym you know um, mm -hmm. because at that point i was almost like a mascot at the gym you know at that point I, I was i was the dude who's always there i, I would 
my, my training sessions were almost never below two hours you know I, I was every single day I would be there um, if uh, if there was nothing for me to do on that one particular day where I had to have a rest day I was still at the gym you know I, I would I would step on, on an elliptical or something like that or on a stationary bike or spin bike and I would do something you know so training aspect like that that was almost controlled by other people but um, I started educating myself on nutrition because you know at, at that point I started buying a lot of supplements and whatnot like I again really not anything unique about that as- aspect of my story um, but I did started you know going through a bodybuilding forums and stuff like that and that's how I you know I would encounter um, Lyle for the first time and this was maybe like 2011, and encountering Lyle's work got me into this this place of evidence-based uh, fitness and nutrition. And since 2011, I was fully immersed in it, and and it, it became a massive, massive part, integral part of my life. Right. Awesome. So, so to touch on the the I think far more challenging aspect of all of this, which as we talked about, which is with you all day long, always. So what did you do with your your food choices and with your diets? Uh, So you had that first rough day in the gym, then you went home and you did what in the kitchen? You know, when I talk about this, uh, a part of me is, is afraid that I'm not getting things wrong until my mom just a few months, no, sorry, a couple of years ago found um, notes that I was taking. So when people ask me this uh, this same very same question, my friend, uh, I my my typical response would be, um, you know, I went from eight thousand calories a day to eight hundred calories a day, and I always thought like, am, am I am I maybe exaggerating this? Because you know, wh- whenever you are trying to remember something from your past, like you might go into this like heroic state of mind uh, from a psychological standpoint, and maybe maybe I, I was I'm always reluctant. Um, because I always think like maybe I'm exaggerating something because you know you you will sometimes get these clients who are like hey I'm eating 900 calories and I'm not losing any weight right so regardless of regardless of how big or small you are you're going to lose some weight if you're eating properly 900 calories you know so I, I know what 900 calories look like and it's really not not <laughs> it's definitely not that much food dude I literally have literal papers where I ate. 500 600 calories a day and i was starving myself i was addicted to a sensation of hunger i could not function properly i was not happy if i wasn't hungry um during the first five months so in croatia we have uh, on the on the first of may um it's um it's kind of like a some kind of a um holiday or something like that i don't even know what actually is um and all, all I know that everybody goes out and we have barbecues. Like it's 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 spring. It's it's beautiful weather outside. Everybody's off work, you know. And for the five months, I did not taste a single gram of carbs. For five months, actually, that, that that's a lie. Um, I did not taste any bread. Uh, and anything sweet, any chocolate, anything like that. I would eat some like you know those um, like Ezekiel bread type of breads you know mm-hmm. um, th- those kind of 
what's the name of those like breads like they, they seem a little bit wet or something like that I, I can't remember exactly like rye yeah. bread and stuff like that like yeah sure I, I would have maybe a slice like that every every other day or something like that but like proper like white bread bagels and stuff like that no I did not have anything for five months first of May arrives um, so less than five months actually first of May arrives and we're having a barbecue and I I, I got drunk and my friends kind of convinced me like look how much weight you lost like dude like you 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 have to live live a little right so i gave in and i had a um i had like a pita bread you know with um with some meat and at that point when i realized that i had some bread also taking into consideration that i'm a little bit drunk at that point i got so scared i got terrified so much that i made a lie i i i invented some narrative where somebody needed to see me immediately my friends like would like what the hell dude what are you doing why are you going now and i'm like i I have this emergency i have to go so i i literally ran back home um i was sweating i was in pain because of running and i stormed into bathroom i put I, i shoved two fingers down my throat and i perch and at that point, that became a almost like a daily routine. You know, um, I started eating a little bit more, and I started purging it. And then I realized uh, that I was knocking on the doors of bulimia, and luckily I stopped because I learned about the importance of protein intake and how it affects muscle mass. And at that point, I was incredibly... The, the one thing that made me more fearful than eating some carbs was... Um, and the reason why I was fearful of carbs, of course, is because I thought that th- this would only revert me back or, or that I would relapse, you know. <laughs> it would revert me back to my old coping mechanisms where I would just overeat uh, because I got the taste of my old life, you know. Um, that, that that was kind of the mindset. But uh, one thing uh, that I was more terrified, my man, was um, excess skin. So I had this crazy theory that, you know, if I build a lot of muscle mass, that I might tighten that skin, you know. So that was that was the, the, um, the element that I was in at that time. So I didn't want to jeopardize my, my muscle gain. I didn't want to jeopardize any strength gain. And, and at that point, I just uh, I just started, you know, informing myself a lot about nutrition and, and the importance of eating a little bit more even if that's going to impact the pace or the rate of my weight loss, I, I kind of had to accept it because I was I was adamant to uh, to build my muscle and then to focus on building my fitness and performance, not just losing weight. Right, right. Um, so I mean uh, that, that that's pretty incredible, and I didn't know that uh, bulimic uh, like brief uh, stint that that you had, but it is good yeah. that you could uh, catch that early. Yeah, um, and I apologize for my long-winded answers. I, I hope I'm, I'm giving you answers yeah, yeah. that you wanted. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, so you started off eating like five, six hundred calories. Uh, how did did you keep at that aggressive pace for quite long, or did you switch over to something more like sustainable? Yeah, that was the turning point for me. Uh, that was the turning point for me. Um, I honestly can't remember at that time. I just, I, I just remember that I uh, gave a brief. Um, a uh, brief pause to tracking and I, I literally like my diet was still maybe like 70-80% just meat and and uh, cottage cheese and just like lean sources of prote- protein. Um, after that, I started 
consuming like whey protein and started um, consuming you know creatine and and uh, just like like a lot of these like pre-workouts and a lot of like fat burners and whatnot and that got me to a place where I, I i wanted to save some money so the best way to do that is to kind of just educate myself on, on supplements and the, the the road to educating myself on supplements got me to a place where i was starting to really absorbing this knowledge on the importance of, of nutrition on not being afraid of carbs of you utilizing carbs carbs for you know um explosive workouts uh for you know the benefits of, of carbs on on like bodybuilding and whatnot at that point I, I was like just fully immersed in that um and um and yeah that's that that's that's when i started like tracking calories back again i do not remember exact numbers i'm afraid uh but i'm sure it was uh it was definitely below like 3000 i was always in a caloric deficit like for three even four years straight i was i was practically maybe like 90 percent of time in in uh, trying to be in a caloric deficit of course i wasn't always successful but you you, you know you you know that mi mindset when even though you're maybe maintaining your weight or maybe you're in, in a slight caloric surplus but your mind is always in a deficit and you're oh, always yeah. like have this like dieting mindset right so that was me for like maybe like four years Oh yeah! Again, another similarity between us. <laughs> uh, that 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 was that was the first like I don't know how many years of my lifting journey. Like that, this is this is exactly how I frame it. Like maybe I wasn't technically in a deficit all the time. Yeah. But from a mental perspective, we might as well say that I was. So. Yeah. Um, so 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 I think I was gonna ask is um, I mean. A lot of the obvious questions here would have been like, did you ever relapse? Uh, did you ever question like, oh my God, how long I have to go? Got discouraged by that. But it seems like like none of that was the case. Like you were pretty, like nothing could take your eyes off the prize for a, for a moment. Oh man, I was I was in the flow. I was so focused. It was just tunnel vision focus, my man. Um, if I was about to drink, and I would drink a lot at that time, you know. Mm. So, like, you you might ask, like, how how the like how would you focus if you were drinking? Mm -hmm. So here's how: if I decide to drink an entire bottle of vodka, I would fast for maybe 24, 36 hours. Wow! And now I would knock myself out, <laughs> and that was that was my approach. And then um, I would not drink, and uh, and and for and. A certain stretch of time i would just like be super dialed in with my nutrition but regardless of me drinking or not on any particular day i would still train hard so this is even something that that helps me um helps me with with my work with clients is that you know when sometimes people create this di false dichotomy like if, if i'm not doing everything perfectly then what's the point or when a small misstep snowballs into just like days of, of binge eating and making horrible decisions. So I was never in that in that particular mindset because I always had the gym and building muscle as kind of like um, the thing that that hold me tied to my um, to my goals. So I was always tunnel vision focused because of that, because of the gym. Like the gym always uh, held me accountable, even if I would do like crazy amounts of recreational drugs and alcohol uh, and, and just go crazy and partying. I, I would I would still be like incredibly I, I know this sounds almost ridiculous, but even in those instances I would not eat. You know, sometimes you're just going to have, have a couple of drinks or something like that, and you're just like slightly buzzed, but your mind still goes like I wanna have some kebab mm -hmm. or I wanna have some pizza. 
I, I was never at that place, man. Like, I would drink and I would get high, but I would never, never eat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for a lot of people, this might sound very weird. Um, but, you know, <laughs> just for some context, Darko, Darko is from Croatia. I'm from Hungary, and none of those cultures are uh, too shy with things like alcohol. So um, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm also kind of coming from that culture. And actually, the first time I got, like, very lean, like, single-digit body fat, like, I was drinking fairly generously <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at, the, at the time. Like, every weekend, like, at one point... Yeah, I, I think like basically the the most that I worked myself up to was like a good like 0.75 liter bottle of vodka. Like that was that was like a <laughs> standard standard portion of the nights. So I mean, I, and I and I can sympathize, man. I never cheated on my diet during those yep. events. Like I I yeah, I would kind of go to these parties like kind of hungry. Uh, it was actually beneficial in that regard because the alcohol hit even more. And yep, then, yep. Uh, then I got home, and I, you know, when everybody else was going to McDonald's and whatever, no, I just got home and I was eating my tuna and veggies and whatever. <laughs> so yeah, it's yep. it, it's it's pretty cool. So uh, I mean, it's not cool, you know. I'm not I'm not, <laughs> not endorsing drinking here. It's just <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. This, the similarity between our stories are pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so like, what was your rate of loss? Um, I. I guess in the beginning it was much faster, but like, uh, yeah. So like, what was it in the beginning, and then as the weeks and months went by, can you recall that? Unfortunately, I never, I never um, had any data. I, I didn't keep any data on it. I didn't keep any stats. Um, I didn't even take any photos because at that time, regardless of my success and everything, I was still that, I was still that man child uh, who was incredibly you know um, intimidated by everything uh, and I was still in a place where I was in my early 20s and I hated how I looked uh, to the point where if I would have you know a bit more sodium or if my sodium intake would fluctuate and I would um, you know gain maybe a kilo or something like that like just just like pure water weight I would be so disgusted with myself that I would refuse to hang out with friends and go out you know, uh, even at that point, that was like the, the the complete source of happiness for me, just hanging out with, with a lot of people because I missed so much that I just couldn't be alone anymore at that point, interestingly enough. So, um, so you know, at, at, at that point, um, as I said, I, I was still that person, but I didn't know, I don't know how much weight I lost during the first year. Um, I do know one thing that during the first year, I bought myself my very own first pair of jeans and the very first belt mm. I ever owned. That happened That happened in that first year, in, in 2010. I want to say that the majority of the weight I lost was during 2010 and, and the first half of 2011. After that, I, I, I reduced the pace of weight loss uh, and, and it took me maybe another... Un until late 2013 to get to the point where I was the leanest and that was literally before my wedding day wow that that's incredible yeah maybe I should have just asked like how long was it before you could first get on that treadmill <laughs> <laughs> I think it was uh, that's a good question uh, I, I think it was it was literally just uh, maybe maybe like three months something like that where I lost just like ridiculous amount of weight I think I think I, I, I was losing approximately um 10 kilos every like 40 days something like that maybe even a month 
I, I don't know like but it was a crazy amount of weight now you might say that I needed a huge calorie deficit just from food I had that and I had just incredibly punishing physical activity regimen like I I, I did like beach body exercises at home uh i was running i was doing sprints like if i didn't feel exhausted about at that point um i would literally go to bed and i would feel such guilt that i would get out of my bed like midnight after midnight and i would get out and and do some uphill sprints wow and uh so imagine just this huge huge collision of just hours and hours of training every single day um and and eating almost nothing and yeah so so i I literally would sometimes like i would wake up and there were like consecutive days where i would see one kilo less on my body Mm. did did you almost feel like the the hunger and the feeling of exhaustion was like like um almost like self-punishment which felt good because like punishing yourself for what you did earlier or was it one of those like um kind of one of these mental images which sometimes i also like to play with like yeah i'm feeling hungry but this is like is is the feeling of like fat cells burning and and that's just the the feeling of that like or how was it in your head i i think what you described i i think that resonates with me profoundly but honestly my friend i think that happened a little bit later in the beginning it was just like you said it was just punishment um i told you earlier about uh, you know my my early insecurities about masculinity and whatnot like at that point at that point um that was a huge part of my identity being extremely hungry and just punishing myself because i knew that regardless of any decision that i made up to that point in my life and regardless of how much i consider myself to be a little bitch uh, nobody, not one single man from my family, from my friend circles, from from um, you know a- any kind of relative or anybody who is a male could be able to endure what I did, and that gave me a lot of like confidence and boost, and I, I was like in a, in a extremely just just like a bad place, right? And and everything that I'm telling you right now, it it seems so ridiculous to me, um, but at that point, like that was that was the source of my motivation, knowing that I'm doing something that um, not many men, real men, are able to do, you know. So that was kind of like uh, my source of motivation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can sympathize with that um, in in some ways, definitely. Um, so, uh, like, a question is, um, how did your environment react to all of this, like, good and bad? Because, I mean, you were going through something remarkable, obviously, visually obvious to a lot of people. You were also changing your behaviors in many ways. So, what what was the reception from the positive and from the negative side? You know, I had people who were who supported me, those people are still people that I love with all of my heart. I also had people who would sabotage me, people who um, would make fun of me. You know those people who are just trying to drag you down to their level because they feel inadequate about their own insecurities. Oh, yeah. And at that point... I was incredibly conscious of what other people think of me because I was so insecure and so desperate to have friends. But something clicked during maybe like 2011, something like that. Something clicked where I just started not giving not giving a shit about anybody's thoughts, anybody's opinions of me. And I started deriving a lot of enjoyment and a lot of satisfaction 
from putting people on my shit list, from eliminating negative people out of my life. Um, I promise you this was way before it became this what I'm telling you now became a social media mantra of like uh, you know uh, 19 20 year old life coaches uh, <laughs> this was actually this was actually how uh, how I approached my environment and uh, it was incredibly hard because you know th- at that point I mean, even still, but especially at that point, uh, environment where I grew up was was extremely conservative, and and um, any kind of um, oscillation from a status quo was deemed as um, as weird, as awkward, as unnatural, and I, I just I just stopped giving a damn. And, and I felt this incredible liberation by surrounding myself with very few people, but with people who are still my best friends, people who are, who were, you know, um, on my wedding day, people who were beside me and who are still beside me, regardless of me changing countries two times in, in the last decade, those people are still part of my daily life. Mm. Yeah, the, the people who were um, trying to sabotage you uh, in in. What way was that happening? And by the way, this is, um, it's really unfortunate, you know, like pe- people approach life in different ways. And unfortunately, one attitude is that life is a race and mm. I can win at that race by getting ahead, but I can mm. win just as well by dragging others back. Yeah. And unfortunately, those are the people who will drag you back. Um, and that that's just a part of life. But how did if that you happen? allow it? You know, uh, and and I and I was extremely extremely conscious of never allowing that. Um, it's it's hard to say like a specific. It's hard to give you like specific examples, but um, you know, you would you would encounter people who would be like you who would be telling me like, dude, like you looked like somebody just hang you up and and dried you. Like look look at how you look. Uh, have have you look have you been looking at yourself in the mirror lately? Uh, do like eat something. Uh, go build some muscle. At that point, like that was still that 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 was a that was a pain. Like I'm I'm pretty sure, dude. If maybe not to the extent, but if I told you, like especially right now when you when you build uh when you build some impressive um arm development if I, if somebody told you and, and told you like <laughs> like you know hey abel I, I think you should be working on your biceps a little bit more i i'm pretty sure that that would uh that would make you think at least you know it, oh, it would maybe bother sure. you <laughs> but you know that there's there's that little a little you know uh hit to to our ego but at that point like that was man like you know um jim was was uh, i adopted it as, as, a, as an integral part of my identity and then all of a sudden like somebody would critique that and and like instances like those i remember one particular example i'm going to actually give you one example so um i'm walking down the street i'm going to the gym like i'm super pumped the music in my ears uh the the just like shitload of pre-workout in in <laughs> in, in in my body and i'm going to the gym and a uh, former high school colleague um comes to me he approaches me he didn't see me in a few years he's like just like super surprised that he saw me and at that time i was living in uh, in a very small town in croatia like maybe less than 10,000 people population and and you know like every secret is a public secret you, you, yeah I, I, i'm sure you know what i mean yeah, and yeah. Uh, he approaches me he grabs him by my sleeve he rolls my sleeve up to my biceps and i'm, I'm like dude like what the fuck are you doing and he's <laughs> like everybody's talking about you like and everybody's saying that you are using heroin 
And I'm like, are, 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 like, are you, are, are you, are you serious? Like, he, like he's like, yeah, man. And and he wasn't even joking. Like he was like, yeah, man. Like everybody think you're you're using something, because everybody like whenever they see you, like they they, they you're like. You have this facial expression, like you're not even, you're just looking at the middle distance. <laughs> like that was me. <laughs> Funny thing is, that was me just preparing and hyping myself for the gym, and like just like <laughs> this this focus bell that we that we talked about just a moment ago. Like <laughs> so, then I kind of realized maybe I should, uh, you know, start paying attention how I behave in public. And uh, and yeah, but I I had those instances where people like you know, um, I I didn't crave. I, I didn't crave appraisal and acknowledgement from all the people, you know, but um, it 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 did. It, I I I was very very conscious of other people being extremely negative for no reason whatsoever than to drag me down, and I actually cherish those moments because those moments show me the the true colors of people, and um, I'm still very much like that. I still like to cut people off, not that I'm looking forward to it or anything like that. I just like filtering people and not wasting my time on people that don't deserve my time yeah it's it's definitely is definitely an aspect of success of any kind that um like there are multiple stages to this one is for example in the case of weight loss dieting fitness um, related successes you have to for one learn to accommodate other people and learn to live a healthy social life and not ruin it completely by your fitness goals. And you have to learn to manage that. Yeah. Um, but eventually at some point when not when all else fails, you have to be have to be selective about the people that are around you. And there's just no other way around it. Like if there are people who just constantly hold you back and don't have the right intentions even, I mean, man, like you have to draw your conclusions. I agree. 100%. Yeah. So, um, you mentioned in the beginning uh, that you never had a, a girlfriend or no, or I don't know if you actually never had a girlfriend or just like very limited like experience on, on that front. But did that start uh, changing uh, as you started getting fit? Yeah, man, I was, I was, um, I was obsessed with two things at that particular point. I was obsessed to get myself to look as, as good as humanly possible. Uh, and I was obsessed with women. And uh, I had this incredible incredible just just like hollywood movie like um fortune that my very first serious relationship ended up being my wife and i hear a lot of these stories where you know people don't have any experiences relationship and they kind of just like jump full in all in in a relationship and and then they just don't know any better but for me, man, at, at that point, I built so much confidence and I built so much self-respect um, that I just, I just couldn't imagine myself being in a relationship where there, there, there wasn't just like full mutual respect and support. And we started dating, and and my life absolutely one hundred percent changed at that point. And um, you know, all this, my 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 fantasies about like me just like having fun and partying and, and just being like surrounded with women, all of that, <laughs> all of that kind of, all that kind of, kind of just stopped. And I was just, I was just completely blown away by, by meeting somebody who just unconditionally supports me and, and pushes me and, and loves me. And it's just an incredible, incredible relationship and marriage, man. It's, it's a, 
it's an incredibly beautiful place and it was like that since since day one since i met her in in august of 2011 so that year that 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 huge impactful year um was 2011 for me because not only have i lost the the significant amount of weight or whatnot i i met my wife in 2011 and and you know that was actually 2011 was the first time that i started doing a proper physical job you know and and not just working from from my home which was um which was just like life-altering wow yeah i mean for the record i completely support that mindset um it's i mean okay not, not to go on a huge tangent on this but i you know, I mean, I had different relationships and uh, hopefully this current one is, is permanent. I mean, we've been together for like four years almost. Um, so and marriage is like on the horizon to some extent. <laughs> but but I mean, I went into all of my relationships, even as a 16 year old, thinking that this is going to be my future wife. And honestly, I never understood how you can approach a relationship with any different mindset. Like no. I... I so I remember having this conversation with a girl when I was 18 and I was asking her like, so like, what do you think about this relationship? What does this mean to you? And she was like, well, I mean, obviously you're not going to be my husband, but, <laughs> and, and like in that moment I was thinking, and I still think that like, how can you be in a relationship that way? Like at that point, you're just like fuck buddies basically, which is cool yeah. if that's what you want to be, but that's not a relationship. Come on. Like with that mindset, you cannot be in it. But anyway, um, kind of a, kind of a random tangent there. <laughs> But no, it's not. I, I think I think it's valuable to conclude that I, I don't think you can have a successful relationship until you, you have to have. I think the the two major aspects of any successful relationship is to, um, you know, have your own sense of privacy and have your own sense of um, individuality and uniqueness in that relationship, but have goals and have the vision of the future that is um, synchronous. You know, have something that you both share. Because if you're in a relationship with somebody who sees um, her or his future in a completely different way than you do, at some point, that's going to be a breaking point, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think you need to share those those impactful and most important values. I think you just have to share them with that person. Yeah, no, 100%. Um so, uh, so like last thing, uh, I guess let, that we absolutely have to cover here. I, I hope like you're not like running late from a meeting or something because of this. No, man, I'm, I'm I'm enjoying talking to you, man. Oh, awesome. So, um, what happened once you lost the weight, and and maybe just briefly, you can also touch on like, did you have a big celebration or something when you hit like that 200 pound mark or some some big benchmark or I don't know if there was something there, but. Uh, this is one thing that I always talk about um, with my clients and also on my podcast and in every video, basically, that weight loss is one thing. It's a huge challenge. It, it's a massive challenge in your case, as it was. But maintaining that new, leaner, lighter uh, body is is a whole different story. So how was that mm. for you? Initially, so I reached my the, the peak of my leanness. I, I was the leanest... Um, September, October, yeah, my, my wife would kill me, October uh, 2013, so this was our wedding day, and um, at that point, like, I just wanted to get shredded, so I have a couple of these photos, when I look at them, I, I want to say around, like, 10-ish percent body fat, um, you would probably not agree with that, considering your physique, Abel, but... <laughs> You also have to take into consideration the, a lot of excess skin. Not, not a lot, but I, I still have enough excess skin to make me look um, more um, 
more fat than I actually am um, or that I have more body fat than I actually do. So I, I kind of just like, I, I want to say, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was, I was below uh, 15%. I want to say maybe around 10-ish, something like that. Um, but I got to that place in a really, really bad way. I got to that place eating maybe um, 1,000 to 1,200 calories. Um, it's it, it was, for, for me, it was just a linear degradation of calorie intake. For me, it was just consistently reducing calorie intake I, until I could not bear it anymore. I was just like starving myself. I got to a point where, you know, we got married and uh, we were planning to move. We actually executed on that plan to move to Sweden. So um, I cannot say that I successfully managed to, uh, at that point, to successfully manage my weight loss. Um, we changed our lives at that point. We sold everything we had. We quit our jobs and we moved to Sweden with only um, money worth for like three months of paying rent. And during those three months, we needed to find jobs or at least one of us. Mm. So you could imagine my man that I like my physique was not my priority. <laughs> it was survival. Um, yeah. So I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to, you know, um, achieve that plan to just m- move from Croatia from a very bad financial and social um, situation. So I regained a lot of weight that, that year. So 2014, uh, I think within the fa- first maybe like five months, I think I regained maybe 40 kilos. Um, mm. But I, I I quickly I quickly stopped and uh, I, I started losing weight again. And again, I was, I was doing that aggressively in a way that really wasn't challenging uh, at all. Uh, I, I've lost that weight relatively easy. Uh, I was in a really good place. I was in a completely new country. I was thriving in, in every aspect of my life. Um, and I was, I don't know, man. I, I, I think eventually it got pretty acceptable of where my physique was at that particular time. And, and it, it, didn't feel, it didn't feel particularly stressful. A um, few years later, um successfully managing my weight um, I'm, I'm cutting um haphazardly bulking if, <laughs> if mm-hmm. you want to say that way so it was never a planned bulk not until recently it was my very first planned bulk um and and uh, i was just always afraid of, of caloric surplus so i'm pretty you know pretty good at managing my weight uh, my uh, the education is 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 going extremely well uh we come to that like 2015 ish uh kind of a year i'm i'm, I'm getting really really well acquainted with uh with evidence-based nutrition evidence-based you know exercise science and um something happened a couple of years ago um a couple of years later i uh, worked only night shifts for two years Mm -hmm. Uh, i was working with a kid who had a who has a severe muscular dystrophy and my job was literally just to sit down and listening to him breathe and listening to his breathing patterns. So I would do it. I would literally sit on a chair for like 10 hours straight and just listening to a child breathe so that nothing happens to him. And at any moment, like something can happen and he can die. And that was incredible amount of stress. Um, I was living in Sweden at that time. During wintertime, I do, wouldn't see daylight on, on, on some 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 days I would not I, I would not literally see daylight for many days um, during summertime I I barely see any 
night you know like in the evening I, I, I was working I get back home I'm sleeping during the day I, I wake up it's still day uh, it's like it's always like daytime and, and during winters it was it was you know complete contrast two years um, and my depression my severe depression came back and at that point I uh, I attempted um, suicide for the third time oh. uh, and I again quickly abruptly changed overnight I looked at myself. I still have those photos. I looked at myself. <clears throat> I looked at my body, and, and and how I just completely ruined it. And something happened where I wasn't disgusted. I wasn't. I wasn't like in this immediate, immediate, um, or a place to immediately resolve that. You know, I was. Ex- I was really just accepting where I was at that time, and it's been few years now where not only have I had zero severe depressive bouts here and there is still going to hit me you know Um, but I'm in an incredibly incredibly good place um, for years now something changed that day you know something changed in me Uh, I I literally saw like like not necessarily my entire life flashing in front of me, but I saw my wife's face, and and um, and something changed, man. Uh, I decided that this this pursuit of impeccable physique is is just not something that um, completely fulfills me. And if I'm going to get to that place, I need to do it by taking care of myself and doing it for myself, and not be doing it for anybody else or because my career requires it. You know, because I was at that time, I was like. Uh, if if I'm going to be a successful nutritionist and and a, and a and a coach, I I'm a billboard to myself. I'm a billboard to myself, and I need to look the way. I need to look the part, you know. So, I got to a place where I'm consistently improving my physique. Actually, I'm going to send you um, I'm going to send you a photo of so you can see my uh, my arm development as well. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. And and I'm I'm really really happy where I am right now. Um, I'm I'm cutting again right now as as of this moment. Um, I'm I'm cutting my way down, and I feel extremely happy about that. I feel extremely happy about gaining um, eight nine kilos during a prolonged bulk. Um, that was part circumstantial, but mainly it was a conscious decision to do that. And um, I'm in a really good place, man. I'm, I'm I apologize for that very long-winded answer. Um, but I just wanted to give you some context where I'm right now. No, 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 man, that was great. Um, it's yeah, it's so well said about the the fact that you have to do it for yourself. Because, um, like you, I I also got caught up in that a few times. That like, yeah, man, I mean, if I really want to be more successful in this whole fit- fitness space, then uh, I have to show my physique more and I have to post more. And I'm almost making a conscious effort to put less of that out there to put out as many like half naked photos as I can mm-hmm. or as, as few of them as possible I hope I said that right um, be, be, because I I don't want to be tied to that whole thing like I don't want to feel that being uh, some sort of extrinsic pressure but something yep. that really I'm only doing because it means something to me as long mm. as it's as soon as it's not that it just gets you into some really bad psychology so yeah yeah and I never get that sensation going through your content. Um, if you're going to post your physique updates and something like that, I look at it as 
you documenting your journey and it's it never occurred to me that okay like Abel crossed the roads to the other side which <laughs> I despised and that other side is like just pure vanity like no like you don't you don't project that kind of a um, perception on you and why you're doing it um, so yeah. I don't think you should ever you should ever worry about that man well th- thanks man that that, that 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 means a lot that you're saying it because um, it means that I'm doing something right there or the way I you want are. 100% uh, so uh just couple 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 more like more minor questions uh well this one is not so minor so now you're coaching people and i would imagine that you have worked with people over the years who were in similar boats as what you were in at the time mm. so i mean it's it's a huge question so answer it as succinctly as 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 you want but like what do you find like, how do you approach them? Because obviously, like, you had this come to Jesus moment where you were, like, basically reborn and there was no return. But I'm sure there are other people who have a much harder time, like, getting into that momentum as rapidly as you did at the time. So, like, how do you approach these people? It's incredibly difficult because on, on one hand, I need to I need to understand that I have this immense power to resonate with people. But I cannot abuse it. I, it's, it's almost like I'm quoting, uh, you know, uh, Peter Parker's uncle uh, from Spider-Man. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I consider, I consider what, what that 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 I- immense power of 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 resonating with people uh, as as something that I need to be very careful with because um, what I've been through does not give me the right and does not give me the tools to help other people. It's just. Like you and I are talking right now, we're resonating with each other. We know exactly how we felt in certain moments, certain uh, aspects of your story or my story resonate with you. Certain aspects of your story resonate with me. You know, so I look at, I try to isolate my story and my personal road to to my own success and everything, and, and I try to isolate that from me being a good coach. You know, so I, I will say to you that. Um, because you can resonate with me, you know what it means to be overweight and obese and and, and uh, get to uh, uh, an incredibly impressive, um, you know, uh, impressive s- stage of of your f- of your physique, of your physical appearance. Um, but I would also like because I know a lot of personal trainers and coaches and nutritionists are listening to your podcast. I want to say to everybody like. Um, I, I get a lot of questions from people who have never experienced what you and I did, um, especially not to the extent where I was. So sometimes I, I get a lot of peers uh, being very reluctant in, in kind of like just working with people who are struggling with morbid obesity. And because they feel like because they cannot resonate, they will never gain people's trust and whatnot. But here's a very, very simple way how you can do that. And most of the people who are listening to this podcast, I'm sure they got to that place. If you want to understand how a morbidly obese person feels regarding like food addiction concept and and like just like thinking that they are constantly starving even if if they are at a significant amount of or a very mild calorie deficit, um, just imagine it as as getting to a, an extremely uh, lean physique. You know, uh, think about the road of like, like you said, like you, you you just have to lose maybe like the last like two kilos, three kilos, but you're going to do it for like a longer time, as I understood you correctly. Yeah, you, yeah. Uh, in one of your latest videos, you said that you you would like to take that uh, and, and prolong it into like two, three months, even if needs be, rather than you just being uh, how you put it uh, eloquently, be um, 
almost um, greedy. Greedy, yeah, exactly, and uh, and 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 just doing something aggressive so you can get to that place as soon as possible. So, if you want to understand how somebody feels, even though they are morbidly obese, um, just go 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 to that place. Go to that place where you need to um, constantly convince yourself into into um, starvation uh, and, and and constant obsession with food being a, a major aspect of your life until you get to that like stage lean or whatever and so i i, I apologize i digress there for, for a little bit so i, I just wanted to say that the, the power of, of of resonating with people is is uh is extremely there it's extremely present at any given moment but i i don't allow that very much to interfere with what i do as a coach you know because as you know I think going through this, um, we are very fortunate to go through educations that both you and I have been through, and, and we know what a uh, very individualized, very contextualized approach to all of our clients is, and this is how I always approach it. You know, I, I, I cherish every single client as, 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 a, as an individual whose circumstances are going to be different. Um, certain aspect of like physiology and biology, it's like it's it's certain rules applies to everybody. Uh, like a principle of calorie deficit applies to absolutely everybody, regardless of your dietary choice. But the con- the the circumstances of somebody's uh, somebody's life and their lifestyle and they ch- their choices and their daily routines and, and daily schedules and and familiar obstacles, social obstacles, uh, working environment, um, support at home or lack of support, like all of those all. Of those aspects are absolutely 100 percent um valid um valid um you know uh, aspects of of this entire process so i always include those aspects i am i never neglect the context and um i know this was a probably some kind of a tangent but i get i get that question a lot abel mm-hmm. and i i always emphasize that regardless of my road regardless of my journey I I honestly like I appreciate it and it gives me a lot of understanding and it helps me gain people's trust probably sooner than somebody who's like super lean constantly would gain but I don't abuse it and I don't treat it as uh, as some kind of a roadmap or some kind of a template how I how I would be how I would coach people in in saying that though uh, obviously everybody is different and um individual customization always applies but if someone comes to you who let's say has like a hundred pounds to lose if or if someone like that was to come to you uh do you believe in pushing these people like hard in the beginning like kind of like maybe not to the extent that you did it for yourself but like getting through that initial like big sticking point as quickly as possible and then slowing down as you go um you know i'm going to give you um the most common fitness-related answer to any question, which is, it depends. <laughs> um, <laughs> it really depends on what people want, you know, because some people are just like jonesing to see some weight loss, um, to see some results. Other people are like, hey, I tried absolutely everything, so let me do it the, like your way, uh, the flexible dieting way, the sustainable way. Some people just want to go slower. Some people want to do the aggressive as possible, aggressive as they can endure. I will say this. I generally think that um, if you have a substantial amount of weight to lose, what could be extremely beneficial is to go as aggressive as you can maintain for a while or sustain for a while. 
um, it has to be realistic. It cannot be predicated on the initial enthusiasm that all of us will feel when we are in, in, engaging into a new trajectory in life, like working with a coach. But it has to be um, it has to be more more realistic because sorry, it has to be a little bit more aggressive than than you might think because it creates this initial surge of motivation, seeing seeing those initial results. Um, I was generally against this. Initially, I was against this idea, and I always, I initially thought, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit this, I, I was a big proponent of slow and steady wins the race. But in the context of some individuality, for some people that just doesn't work, and for some people this can backfire a lot, because you come to me as somebody, like you said, who needs to lose, let's say, like 100 pounds or even 100 kilos, and they're like, I... I'm 100% ready to, for change. Let's do this. I want to do this as aggressively as possible. And I convince you to lose like half a pound a week. <laughs> like th- there's there's really no point in me ever doing that um, if a person doesn't prefer that way, you know. So I would say as aggressively as you can uh, endure, as aggressively as, as you can <sighs> you can sustain for a while because, I, you know... Um, I always say this, um, dieting should never be sustainable, weight loss should never be sustainable, dieting should be, um, you know, like a military operation, you get in, you do the job, you do the objectives, you do the, th- you, do the mission, you complete the mission, and you get the hell out of there. Um, dieting, I, I think the most successful dieting approach should be based on, on strategically placed um, diet breaks and refeeds, um, it doesn't have to be a scientific consensus to confirm this, but for most people, this works exceptionally well. Um, especially if I have somebody who is dieting for like 12 weeks straight or something like that, I would absolutely initiate and emphasize the importance of taking a diet break just simply because for for not even for a psychological relief, but mainly for the sake of practicing the skill of maintenance because i think the biggest mistake most people think or the biggest misconception is that uh, maintenance will come easy and we lose all this weight and then i can just simply enjoy my new body and 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 you know uh, I've, I've learned how to eat a little bit more healthier but pretty much is going to be an easy road and and we, we both know that the main reason why we have an ob- obesity epidemic in the world is because we don't know how to manage weight uh we are extremely bad at that so if we are going to think about it in terms of sustainability, I think we should only sustain results and never weight loss. Um, sustaining results means that we have to figure out a way how to practice it because the approach you have to your diet in maintenance um, is going to be significantly different than when you are in a dieting flow and consistently losing weight. And I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll agree with that. And maintenance is, is predicated on a set of skills and, and that set of skills like we have to practice it we have to learn and understand the importance of mindful eating we have to understand the the, the, the fact that we cannot permanently track every single macro track every single calorie you know um i i try to convince people to do exactly what you're doing right now which is you're going to track your macros and track your calories maybe one day, two days a month or something like that, just so you can kind of calibrate where you are with your calorie intake. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the best possible approach. This is why I, I I tend to strive towards, you know, tracking because tracking enables you um, 
a better understanding of macronutrient, mi even micronutrient, certainly um, calorie intake or calorie value composition of food. And um, you get to a place where you can really accurately estimate your intake uh, without necessarily tracking, which is uh, um, just incredibly beneficial tool. But your calorie intake is going to be significantly uh, different for the rest of your life if you compare it to this temporary phase of dieting. So, um, you know, I, I hope that was that was some kind of an answer. I'm pretty sure that I, I again, went on a tangent. Yeah, no, no, it was great. Um, I, I think I think all of this is, you know, there. The, this is where working someone who is at a decent, like let's say someone is at 15% body fat, wants to get to 10% body fat, is a very, very different animal compared to someone who is at, you know, 50% body fat, wants to get down to like below 20 let's say, because mm. yes, like to go from 50% body fat to 20, if you don't want that to take like five years or something, it, inevitably there will have to be parts of the diet where it's not going to be sustainable because like, yeah, it's probably best to lose a fair amount of fat pretty fast. If anything, it's because you will get healthier much faster. Like your yep. blood pressure will drop faster. You will stop burdening your heart as much quickly. So yeah, then it might be actually a good idea to go on a, you know, pretty much a crash diet. Um, yep. That is not sustainable. Like you will definitely not eat anything close to that, you know, I don't know, 200 pounds later. When you want to go from 15% body fat to 10, like kind of what I was doing in this case, yeah, I would say that my diet now is pretty similar to how I'm going to eventually eat. Like, yeah, I wake up, mm. I have some salty meal with some meat and some veggies for lunch i have some like fatty fish some veggies at night i have some like lean dairy and some fruits pretty much i'm gonna eat the same thing when i'm maintaining just gonna be eating a little bit more so that yep. it is very very different so like this is where context is is um, so important you know yeah yeah absolutely 100 percent um what, what i try to educate a lot of people is that do not make dieting harder on yourself by thinking that dieting has to be sustainable because here's the thing Abel when people encounter flexible dieting concept for the first time they they consider it to be if it fits your macros approach and a lot of people are preaching that hey I've lost a lot of weight look at me where I am right now because I tracked my macros I did not restrict anything I was eating ice cream every week I was eating pizza every other week or whatnot that doesn't work for everybody Temporary abstinence works exceptionally well for, for, for some people. I want to say even most people. But you don't have to temporarily abstain from everything. You just have to abstain from certain foods. Certain foods that make your life much harder in a calorie deficit. Certain, it's, 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 it should all be all about calorie economy. Yeah. When you are when you are in a, in a deficit, and you should get the hell out of that deficit as soon as possible. And when you get back to maintenance, it doesn't have to be ice cream, pizza, Nutella, chocolate galore. It should be a slow and methodical introduction of those foods back to your diet, so that you can really analyze. Like, hey, this food here, particularly this this like jar of Nutella for me, <laughs> uh, it's it's not making my dieting easier, not even making my maintenance very easy. So why would I make my life harder by trying to impose moderation on myself and have it every single day or every single week? Like there's just no sense in that. And what most people hear when they're encountering the, the you know, concepts of like intuitive eating and, and, and like all this like fat acceptance thing lately that's been going on, 
people just think that if you say no temporarily to a Mars bar, specifically Mars bar, that you are restricting yourself and that you are in a mode of um, complete desperation for the rest of your life because you are not allowing yourself to have this food. Like, no, let's, let's, let's not create this horrible uh, false dichotomy. Saying no to one specific brand, one specific food does not mean being in a, in a mode of restriction. Uh, it's, to, to me, that's, that's just nonsensical. So I would say do not make your dieting harder than it needs to be. And just, you know, when you are dieting, be in a dieting mindset. But get the hell out of that mindset as soon as possible. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, 100%, you know, like, personally, like, I definitely encountered that mindset from clients. Not that particular one, because I'm not, like, you might see the flexible dieting or people who have been talking about the importance of macros or flexible dieting, like Elaine Norton, I'm sure, guessed this a lot. Like, oh, Elaine, like... So you're, you're suggesting that I'm eating veggies? Like, isn't that like orthorexic? I'm sure he get, I'm sure <laughs> sure he gets that a lot. And so you know, I name my brand sustainable self development, and I talk about the sustainable approach all the time. So like, yeah, yeah me too. When I'm I'm suggesting a diet plan to someone, and it's like, wait, so you're you're telling me that like I shouldn't have the, these starches and stuff like that in in the diet? Like, how is that sustainable in the long term? Like, dude. Like it, it, it doesn't mean that you cannot like put some limitations on yourself ever. <laughs> like, yeah. did I pick the wrong name? Holy fuck! So. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, hey, like, do you really need to have that particular type of bagel? Uh, and if you do, maybe that's you know uh, that, that's a moment where you need to have a conversation with yourself because if you think that you can only be happy if you you have this every single day, then you have to accept one of the other things. You have to either accept that maybe this is not a really good time for you to diet, or if you're going to diet and you're going to still include absolutely everything on a daily or weekly regular basis, then you have to accept the fact that you should either diet slowly or that dieting for you is going to be probably more, probably harder than it actually needs to be. So like you said, do I need to have this starchy carb? Probably you can, but if it just simply elevates your hunger, if it just increases your appetite, like, why do that? You're not saying no to it forever. We are just saying no to it because it's a decent strategy, nothing else. We're not saying this starchy thing is bad. We're not saying food is bad, food is good. We're just saying right now, during this six-week period, it's not going to be your friend. Yeah. It's like... Like, dude, like, if, if you if you want to diet successfully and build a substantial amount of muscle mass, and then whatever your approach is, either bulking or cutting or, or recompositioning, and you plan to drink alcohol every single day, can you do that successfully? Yes, but it's not going to be your friend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, man, like, basically my last question, and, and you brought this up yourself, so it's, it's perfectly uh, timely. So... What do you think about so you as having been on both sides of this? What do you think mm -hmm. about these recent trends of like fat acceptance and um, you know obese is beautiful, which which is which is whatever. Like you can think obese is beautiful, like you think whatever, like you think beautiful is whatever you think beautiful is. But uh, yeah. obesity is healthy um, or can be just as healthy. Uh, weight loss is is the counterproductive it doesn't work i just recently saw this video i don't know if you've seen it this um 
doctor who refers to herself as the fat doctor. And her site is all about how weight loss doesn't work and weight loss doesn't make you healthier. And um, there is nothing wrong about being obese or overweight. Uh, what do you think about all of that? You know, it's very typical for our society that pendulum swings from one extreme spectrum to the other. It, it, it It's always like that. And I know this is very corny uh, and very uh, overused, but I'm going to say it regardless. The truth is always somewhere in the middle. Um, beauty is subjective, so let's not even go there. Let, let, let's 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 not argue that. Yeah. Um, okay, like, dude, like, if 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 you are 170 kilos and you feel sexy, regardless of of of, of your gender, like, and if you feel sexy, like, all power to you. That's amazing. That's cool. Um, but demanding that people just accept certain body, um, you know, certain physical appearance or certain shape as colloquially, like what we perceive as sexy, like it's, it's, you, you cannot force people. Like I'm, I'm saying it again, beauty is subjective. What you, Abel, find attractive is probably not the same thing I find attractive. Maybe it is, but maybe it's not. And then like, so what? But in the context of health, I mean, I think we are sometimes equating health with just living um and like can you be can you be like healthy and be morbidly obese like probably yes to an extent but can you be like super like not even super but can you be like metabolically healthy like i, I doubt it unless you are extremely physically active like it's like like a sumo wrestler or or um, i don't know like a um like a you know uh, alignment Alignment, yeah, exactly, or something like that. Like, oh, okay, like, cool. But then again, like, it really depends on, on what your lifestyle requires of you. Um, if, I will say it like this, so instead of thinking about it in terms of body fat percentage and physical appearance, I'm going to say it like this. Do you feel healthy when you are running out of breath after taking one and a half, two, two flights of stairs? Like, if you feel healthy in that particular moment, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to argue with you, (laughs) you know, but if you present your morbid obesity as something that's inherently healthy and something that people and especially children and, and teenagers and younger and impressionable folk who are going through social media is going to strive to, I think that's equally responsible as promoting body stage leanness and gym shark bullshit of like look at me like i'm shredded i'm I'm on shitload of gear but i'm hiding that fact about me and this is the achievable physique i think both sides are are equally irresponsible i don't think that most people taking into consideration who is actually listening and reading to these messages and the fact is we are both from eastern europe so both you and i are kind of in this weird place where we have to talk about these issues and we kind of really don't care about the division of like politics in, in America and like in, in the United Kingdom as well. And it seems to me that a lot of this talk about like fat acceptances and, 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 and you know, um, obesity being healthy, like it stems from that place as well, like right versus left and whatnot. Like I don't care about that. As, as a coach, I just care about getting people what they want, any results that they want. Dude, like if I get if I get somebody who is like morbidly obese and they tell me they want to bulk, 
like I'm going to have an honest discussion with them, you know, and I'm not going to I'm not going to say like no, like let's absolutely not do that. But we are going to discuss like as I will with every other client, like where the those the, that desire for that goal comes from, you know. So I I just think that we miss normal conversations and and we miss putting normal conversations on a spotlight rather than talking about you know cosmopolitan covers and um extremely emotional reaction to those covers from both sides you know and and i i just i just believe that it really comes down to personal choice it really comes down to that um i think a lot of things that um intuitive eating philosophy speaks about i think a lot of things that fat acceptance movements and like um um, health at every size movements. I, I think a lot of things that they preach are absolutely 100% valid. And um, I just think that a lot of those things, we should really apply them to our children and to younger folk and teenagers rather than adults. Because he, me as an adult, even if I'm your coach, I cannot really hold you accountable. And I just think that being a person who is an adult and being easily impressionable, I think that's kind of on you. But if you're a teenager, man, if you're like, you know, like, look at kids today, like, 11 years old have an access to social media. And I just think that this entire conversation and this this um, politicized and, and um, aggressive debate between one side of the extreme versus the other, both sides are just neglecting that the audience is 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 going to be harmed at some point because they're they're like you know twelve year old girls who are going to read a message and 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 perceive that you know being morbidly obese is something to be striving for or that the only way the society is going to accept you is if you have like a super narrow waist and huge glutes. I just I just look at that from that perspective, my man. I just look at it from like both sides of the extreme are wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it's very well said. And um, yeah, man, it's uh, I, I just wanted to hear the perspective of someone who has been on both sides, because usually it's it's people that are in that position or in, in, in a similar position or like super fit, lean people who have been always super fit and lean their whole lives that are arguing about this, which is not very productive. So yeah. your, your insight is especially interesting here. Um, so yeah, man, I think after two hours and like 15 minutes, uh, we should wrap this up. But um, yeah, man, it's, it's been it's been amazing having you on. I don't know why I didn't do this interview sooner because it's one of the most insightful ones I think I've ever done. And um, I think, you know, one issue that we often talked with a, a couple of people that this is a problem in the fitness industry is that a lot of the biggest names, the influencers, the successful coaches and whatever they are not relatable for a lot of people because they have been always exercising. They have always been lean, super fit. Often they're even coming from like really fit families. They were athletes as a kid. And I mean, in your case, <laughs> we definitely don't have that problem. And um, I'm sure it also grinds your gear sometimes. I don't know how you feel about that. So maybe that's just like a semi question for the end. I don't know how you feel about this. Like when I see, like this is literally something that I still cannot get over uh this happened a couple of months back when the pandemic started 
and it's like uh, some people were complaining about you know overeating at home alone and then someone was like saying like jesus christ i don't understand how people can overeat now like you know like food should be used sparingly like you should be doing other things at home like how can <laughs> how can how can anybody overeat like being locked up in their house i'm like man and you're a fitness professional saying this like how like i just don't understand so um i don't know if you want to react to that but like it's 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 great to talk to people like you because you can definitely understand both that, like how that is absurd, also how these 10,000 calorie challenges are absurd, and just like a lot of these things, like you view them in a very different light compared to how a lot of people in the fitness industry. Yeah, man, like, like I said earlier, we, we have two extremes, and we are giving attention and spotlight to the to the person with the most outrageous, the loudest um, arguments, and... Anybody who says you should behave this way or that way in a goddamn pandemic that never happened in our lifetimes, like, is, is absolutely detached from reality. Yeah. Because nobody knows how to handle this situation, man. We all handling it the best way we can. And, and some of us are going to f- try to find emotional solace in food. And that's okay. That's okay because the circumstance is, is like that. But it, it, it's... It, at some point like personal responsibility also has to be has to be taken you know uh we, we cannot just simply um create this omission of any personal responsibility because we were never in this situation before but conversely we cannot preach how people should behave in a situation that you have zero ex- personal experience with you know i mean for god's sake like there there's there's not much science even on in how how to how to handle these situations and and um, f- from a health perspective, from a psychological perspective, from social perspective, like we we are in a extremely weird position where it feels like it, it feels like we we just don't have and and, and you know uh, not even a taste of a normal life anymore. And to expect people to behave rationally <laughs> in this situation is just is just wrong. So when I have a client who is emotionally disrupted by this situation and, and who resorts to overeating or whatnot, like I, I, I just try to help them understand that it's 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 okay to be in that position, but it's not okay to choose for that to be your default and and for that to be your only way out, you know. Um, so it's I I find it just ridiculous that that you know some of our peers some of our colleagues some of the people who are loudest in in, in the fitness industry are just so goddamn um, detached from reality and and it, it seems to me that sometimes we make fun of a lot of like Hollywood actors how detached they are but like we literally have that in our fitness industry as well oh yeah yeah it's bizarre uh, anyway, brother, uh, this was an awesome conversation. So thank you so much both for coming on and for being so kind to stay on for this long. Um, you were incredibly honest and open. So I really appreciate it and I, I'm sure it will be very well received. So please uh, let people know um, anything that they can uh, read or um, about you on the internet, where they can find you, your services, anything like that. This this is like the, the the worst part. Like every single time I say that I'm I'm prepared for this, and every single time I'm, I'm prepared for this um, <laughs> for this part of of any any interview. Um, you know, first of all, man, let me just say thank you, thank you so much uh, for having me on. And um, 
it's it's been nothing but pleasure talking to you for me this is part of you and i just catching up and talking like we're sitting in a bar somewhere <laughs> and yeah. uh and this this is why you are absolutely one of the best interviewers in, in fitness industry that we have today oh, and you, um i honestly mean that your your podcast is just phenomenal and uh this is why you know you have deservedly uh, created all this success now um in terms of finding me online i think the best way is just like either either you know facebook search or instagram search my name i think my instagram handle is uh d-a-r-k-o dot b-o-t-i-c uh same goes for for uh facebook but uh i would also like to invite uh, everybody to join our group at macros inc uh we have a massive group that uh, we moderate exceptionally well when i say we i mean everybody but beside me because i'm not involved in <laughs> that uh and and um you know it's uh you know it's uh it, it's it's probably the only place where where people will find me besides my my facebook and and occasionally my instagram and um yeah that's pretty much it man perfect all right so i'll link all of those in the show description so yeah man thanks again for being on it was an absolute pleasure absolutely my man well folks that was one hell of a discussion if you ask me It's definitely one of my favorites up until now. I hope you took a lot away from this, so I would love to hear your thoughts. If you are interested in following me, you can find me on Instagram at SSDable. If you haven't already, then look up my YouTube channel where I have lots of informative videos and other podcasts like this. Often they come out before the podcast version comes out. And if you are interested in working together with me, then once again, check out the show description for all the possibilities for working together with me as a coach, or if you would like to do a consultation with me, there are chances for that as well. For now, I would like to thank you for your attention, and I will see you next week with another podcast episode.